What a pal. Hogan's out on that note. <laughs> That's it for him. He'll wander around, find a little sunny patch. All right. I guess without further ado, we'll get this thing started. Welcome to the Go Throw Show. This is the first episode, and I am honored to have the man himself, Kale LaVisca, one of the hardest working men in disc golf, on first. Pleasure to be with you, buddy. Luke, it's my pleasure, man. This is an honor. I know you guys uh, You guys have all been working hard, GK Pro, what you guys are doing. Lots of hustle going on. Yeah, Lots of hustle. So but, when you asked me yesterday to be a part of this, of course, this is a great honor. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's um, it's important that we have you on for a few reasons. I think one of them being the preserve, uh, another just being one of the ambassadors of disc golf in general, and and being here for a long time, seeing the changes, understanding that, and um, I mean, a lot of people don't know. Do you want to just give a little segment on the preserve real quick? Talk about what yeah, that is for sure. I mean, the preserve is is something that has been my dream for at least a decade. I mean. I started kind of designing courses about about eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, always been just you know a student of the outdoors. Um, grew up grew up in the Northwoods my whole life, so kind of eventually getting my own property someday and and building like a you know a disc golf landscape that the preserve has has, has been a dream for so long. So, I mean. Yeah, this we had this opportunity come about. Uh, There's a, a beautiful golf course in Clearwater, Minnesota called Eagle Trace Golf Course. Yeah, right on the Mississippi River, and just a little bit northwest of Minneapolis. Yeah, about an hour north of the Twin Cities. Um, this this place went up for sale uh, the summer of 2019, and you know, my I had my my real estate agent kind of looking at properties for. A couple of years, kind of trying to find that right place. Yeah, for you. Find, yeah, find a place that has a bunch of fresh water to swim and to play through and to yeah. float down. And so we saw this property come up for sale, and like the, the price was was pretty moderate for how big of a place it was. So we were like, all right, something's got to be wrong with this place. Yeah, but we'll drive up there check it out. Yeah, and we met with this owner, and essentially he'd been you know golf course golf course maintenance and. And running a golf course is very expensive, as you know. Right. You know all the, all the chemicals, the fertilizing, the irrigation. Yeah, just the water alone. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But so much goes into it, and so if a, if a golf course, you know, is, is starting to lose money for a few years, which unfortunately so many are yeah. in the United States, you know, this guy was kind of losing his love for it, and you know, I, you know, growing up in Minnesota with with blue ribbon pines kind of being like the pioneer for pay to play disc golf yeah, and, and totally. kind of being like setting the setting the scene for to show that it can actually work and, yeah. and thrive. Yeah. Work very well. Yeah. Um I was like we got to do this and then honestly the deal kind of fell cold there for a while because there's a huge, you know, like many thousand feet clubhouse and we we didn't really want to take on all that responsibility. We just wanted the land. Yeah. The landowner essentially wanted to to combine them both. Package deal. Yeah, we we were like, well, it's just too much for us to take on right now, so we backed out of it. And then spring of 2020 happens. Yeah, COVID all, hits. Yeah, we're all down at Waco playing. I was, we were staying yeah. in a house together yeah. down there, you know, getting ready for a long, awesome season of disc golf, and, and all of a sudden COVID hit. And, and wham. And then, yeah, so, like, I had I had a lot of plans last year to do a full tour, go to Europe, do yeah. all this stuff. And all of a sudden, everything was kind of in question. So screeching halt. 
I mean, the whole yeah. world. It wasn't just the disc golf world, but yeah, us for sure as well. But for us, I remember, you know, we were all kind of sitting at that house the morning after the tournament, just like, what's was, the next it was, step? It was a weird, weird feeling among us. But yeah. so I'm, you know, I drove down solo. So now I'm, you know, everything in question. I'm driving home by myself. Yeah. Just kind of thinking about what, what I'm going to do. What's, what's the season going to look like? What's the world going to look like? And literally on the drive home, I get a call from the golf course owner when I'm leaving Waco, honestly. And he says, uh, he says, well, we sold the clubhouse. They did not want the land. So let's, let's make something happen here. And I'm just like, my mind's just running every which way. I'm like, this cannot be really yeah, happening right. right now. The timing was just too, yeah. too, too crazy. Somebody so, counterpart like you didn't want the course, wanted the, the spot, which also has a pool, right? This yeah, this oh clubhouse yeah. that we're talking about, oh like yeah. it's a legit clubhouse. This was oh yeah, a country and, club and, for and, many and, years, and we ended up, you know, leasing some of the space. But I'll get to that in a sec. But okay. so I uh, literally, I get home the next day. I drive up, meet with the guy. We're ri- riding around on golf carts up there, golf carts, just kind of talking if we can make this happen. What are we gonna do? Um, and they're still holes in the ground like there's oh, yeah. tee boxes this is an active course it was an active course okay. he'd pretty much had enough he didn't he didn't have the energy to to kind of continue what he was doing so and he actually this guy knew nothing about disc golf when i first met him the summer before and he really did his due diligence he drove out to brp and was like wow this oh is, really and he happened to go on a weekend when brp is just a zoo i mean that place is a spectacle yeah. it really is ray keeps it in oh, ridiculous shape yeah I mean, yeah i mean if you if you go to brp on the weekend you know you're hundreds gonna be, you're gonna see the parking lot full every mm-hmm. single day it's just it's remarkable so he went out there and was like okay this you know he did research on me it's and feasible yeah he's yeah. like well this if there's someone that can pull this off he thought that i was the one to do it so we we came to an agreement just like that literally two days after waco had happened i had signed the deal Whoa. and it was happening and i'm like all right well i'm jumping in completely I was like, all my tournaments are going to get canceled. The ones I was going to run were going to get canceled. Totally. I was like, I at least can have my own place where I can play. A project. People can play, you know. Um, we didn't know much about COVID at the time, but I was like, you know, this if there's a place for people to, to be, it's, it's outdoors. Yeah. And enjoying that. So so we pulled it off just like that. I mean. When did you guys start? I mean, remember, th- we were in Waco, and I, I wasn't even talking about this. No, like, this was literally not in the works. And then I, we talked a few weeks later, and you were like, dude, you got to come up here now. Like, I've got this place. You can help build this course with me. I'm like, what? How? Where? When did this happen? I mean, things were bleak at that time, too, COVID-based. You know, we didn't know when we were getting back. If we were getting back, the world seemed like it had come to a complete halt. And and then all of a sudden, you had this amazing place pop up. So when did you start talking about a Pro Tour event being there? Oh, my gosh. I mean... Well, before we talk about the Pro Tour event, so much, like... So much had to happen before then. First of all, we like the landscape was already there. We didn't have to do a ton of like tree cutting and stuff because yeah. it was a golf course. Right. We there are a lot of woods on the on the outskirts that we wanted to utilize to kind of to create some balance with the course. But essentially, you know, right when COVID hit, a lot of people were all of a sudden out of work too. So all of a sudden, I had you know I couldn't have done it you know with just me and a few people on hire. Like we couldn't yeah. have done it this fast. But all of a sudden. People started getting wind of it, and I was, like, you know, sharing little teasers of what was going on. And all of a sudden, I have 15, 20 volunteers every single day coming out just Insane. eager because they have time all of a sudden on their hands. Man, the Minnesota they, community. Oh, my gosh. I cannot. Like, Ridiculous. Well, we were able to do, so essentially, we built, you know, what turned out to be after the full 2020 season, 
two of the top 50 courses in the world, yeah. according to UDISC, and we built those in three weeks, dude. So it was just, you know, the, the amount of help, like, we were literally out there every day with so many people that were, were contributing, and we pulled it off. And uh, so here we are now in, like, mid-April. Mm. and But still, all the golf courses and everything in Minnesota is closed down yep. because of COVID. Yep. No one really knew what the proper etiquette or way to go about things were and and then the courses were pretty much done and i was like doing all the final stuff you know we, we built this little uh we got a shipping container built it into a pro shop yeah. tried to keep things minimal um i literally ordered up the porta potties to be delivered the next day which was like april 18th and then the governor of minnesota gets on the news that night and says that golf courses can be open tomorrow and we were just like you know, already the timing has just been so wild. And then he did that. I literally got on, you know, social media and said, you know, the preserve is opening tomorrow. Come on out. You know, and there, there was, a, you know, some people that were like kind of privy to what was going on. But right. everyone was just in Minnesota. They like just ready for just something. No, they had yeah. no idea what we were doing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the first day we opened. I'll never, I'll never forget that. It was the craziest thing I've ever experienced. I was. Filled I up that parking lot right there. Talking, oh my, that parking lot, Street. overflow parking lot, hundreds of people there that, that, for that first week. It was just, it was, yeah. it was unbelievable, man. Yeah. Pulled it's it off. Confirmation of everything that you'd been working on. Yeah. That's amazing, man. All right, so. So then, uh, you know, so that's, we're at mid-April at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, still in the the competitive disc golf community we still didn't know what was going on no. you know like i had my own thing going now but we weren't yeah. playing tournaments or anything no schedule no, no schedule yeah so the next scheduled pro tour events were on the west coast which was which was getting you know they had a lot stricter regulations than we had in the totally. midwest at the oh, time yeah. so so what was it san francisco pro tour event portland pro tour event both yeah. had to get canceled yeah so Jeff Spring, you know, being just the man that he was, his first year running the Pro Tour, you know, trying to salvage it and, and make it awesome for us and for the fans, for everybody. Yeah. Um, he reaches out to myself. He reaches out to Jeremy Rusco and says, can we reschedule these two events at mm. Emporia and the Preserve? And this is, you know, we'd been open for two months at the time. And <laughs> and this is happening. And obviously, you know, I felt bad about the West Coast Do you know how being canceled. But Jeff Spring even knew what was going on up there i mean oh i knew jeff spring knew what was going on because i would call him once every two weeks and say (laughs) update him and i would tell him i was like you know yeah and i was saying next year i'm like next year yeah i got the place for you this venue is perfect you know everything's on this property people you know all the 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 players can stay here i was like this is it space and so i i was it was because i was in his ear a lot (laughs) all right all right but uh he called me up and said you think you you honestly think you can pull this off like you know don't BS me. This is this I was like, is, this dude, is I'm a your big boy. deal. I got you. And I was like, Jeff, I promise you, I will not let you down. Let's make this happen. Um, I had to get it approved with like the city, with the county mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. just make sure that was okay. I talked to the right people, got in, and uh, and it was on. It's crazy how that thing came about in the midst of one of the greatest turmoils that we've, you know, all lived through. This gets pulled through push through expedited and all of a sudden we got a pro tour on some property and and what like from start to finish three months four months three months yep three months it's mind-blowing 
All right, so three months is all it took. I mean, and that's why I call you Jay-Z. You've laid the blueprint down for everybody else coming behind you. You said, this is how to do it. You want a course? You want to own it? You want to do the private thing? The future of disc golf, in my opinion. You just laid it out. What do you see as the future for the preserve? For the preserve, man. Well, you know, back to, you know, talking about the blueprint, you know, like us all at the top level, you know, we all know what a good course is. Yeah. We all, I feel like some of us more than others would be great course designers. Like, you know, we're the, the kind of the new blood of where the sport is going. Um, and then, you know, having having our own property. Like, when I was doing this, I remember Sexton was reaching out a lot and just, just like, encouraging me, telling me how this is something he's always wanted to do, how cool this is, you yeah. know, like, yeah, pretty much, you know, just giving me encouragement to, to keep pushing with it. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in 10 years there's – you know, at least a handful of top players who who own their own property. I mean, you see it happening with Macbeth now. Yeah, building his own course and supposedly one of the hardest in Virginia. Yeah, I would expect nothing less from no, him. Totally. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I really, I really wouldn't be surprised if you know, five to ten years, there's five to ten of us that are you know have our own properties, building yeah. some championship level courses that are going to be getting a lot of love on the pro tour, right, and taking up a large portion of the the pro tour tournaments. Uh, it'd be cool to see dealing with parks departments, dealing with crowds and people, spectators, not necessarily there for the disc golf. I mean, if, if I'm thinking about like Vista del Camino or the Memorial, which is being played next weekend, that's at a park where you could kill somebody, a park where I watched Matt Bell hit a kid on a bike one time. Um, well, and it's just, it's an, it's impossible to regulate with what we're starting to see with spectator passes and people, you know, buying their admission, you know, a place like Vista or Fountain, it's impossible to regulate that. Like, what are you going to do? Have, you know, people around every turn. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, that's what the one of the most beautiful things about the Preserve and the Preserve Championship is that there's one entrance, you know, to the property through a gate. So we were mm. able to sell those spectator passes and then regulate it, have a gate there, yeah. checking people in and stuff. So, you know, as, as we move forward with the Pro Tour and the spectator passes starting to raise a lot of revenue for for the venues for the pro tour that's going to be important is is how can you how can you manage the spectators that's yeah. going to be huge yeah for sure it is you've got plenty of space at the preserve i think that's important as we're picking courses for the future we know that this has become a large sport and the spectator side of it's just going to get bigger um so places like that you know i'd like to see persimmon ridge in the mix at some point you hadn't been down there yet but beautiful course a lot of photos yeah. steve and kim jones also a ball golf course. It was a nine-holer that they turned into an 18. Plenty of space, spectator space. It's, well, just, it's and, the future. And, and speaking of space, you know, there's, you know, like yourself, there's so many disc golfers that have just these amazing touring vehicles, vans, RVs. And the coolest thing for me, honestly, about the Preserve and the Preserve Championship was having all you guys, having, I set aside like a 25-acre area right on the river for, for all like the the touring pros to kind of gather and camp and that was that was like the coolest thing for me just seeing everyone swimming in the river after their rounds and yeah. swimming in the ponds and everyone just being on the same property yeah not having to leave that i mean that was special and obviously not a lot of venues can do that but i think yeah. i think a lot of the players enjoyed it yeah <laughs> amazing it was <laughs> yeah. so awesome and it coincided with the july 4th fireworks events that i love so much as well so we were blowing stuff up yeah, we were, you were floating the mississippi we had some fire throwers out there. I mean, you, you figured all that stuff out, but amazing time and, and 
what a special spot you set aside for the pros. Kevin Jones able to do his first show, play a little music for us from some solar power. Yeah, that was amazing. And you know, and again, we you know we had about a month to prepare for the Preserve Championship last year. So now that we have a full year ahead of us, I really you know I'm going to go all out on the yeah. camping area. I'm going to be able to spend you know a lot more resources on building the Black Bear to be you know the the true championship course that I want it to be. Yeah. Now there's uh, there's a handful of tweaks that we're doing out there that are going to be pretty special out there too. Yeah. So I, Can you let us into any of that? How many well, holes are changing? Well, so this this winter we leased another 50 acres. So we already had 110. So we leased another 50 acres of all forest. So if you remember hole four on the Black Bear course, which was had a big forest to the right of it along the river, yeah, yeah. we got all that land. So um, up river. From where your yep. course is now, and okay. then and then also um, old hole five on the Black Bear course. That whole forest to the right of that, yeah. we lease that whole spot too. So um, we're actually building a third course there um, right now. Actually, so as soon as I get back from Waco, you know, I gotta I got two weeks to to get that thing open. But um, but we're gonna have a couple holes going through there through the woods for the Black Bear course, and then we got a new par five that my boy Jake and I dreamed up. That's gonna be um Nasty, I, think, huh? I think one of the most Would cool it? special talked about holes in disc golf because um i don't want to say too much but essentially you're throwing um, from the shore of the pond and you have to choose either the left side or the right side of the pond to go over so there's two set distinct fairways what? the player's gonna have the option to choose which i've never seen in disc golf so it's gonna oh. be uh depending on you know an individual <clears throat> player's Strength and strategy, they're going to be choosing which side to go over. It's going to be pretty cool. Possibly different conditions, making a decision there yeah, for them, too. absolutely. Amazing. We're doing it this year. I can't – July – I think it's the last weekend in July this year. So Dude. Um, Jeff Spring obviously, you know, showed us faith last year, and we came through, and now, yeah. you know, we got a full year to to make good on, on some improvements and, and do what we can to make it – I want to make it the best one this year. Dude, Jay-Z, everybody. There you go. Blueprint. <laughs> And I want to win it, too. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. most important. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you make it a bomber track, you got to keep up with the eel. Oh, Eagle. my gosh. Speaking of bomber, all right, so I'm watching some of this uh, footage that Steve Dodge has been releasing recently, and a lot of it includes you. A lot of it's from, like, 05 to 08 area, and you were on tour with Nico and Felberg at that time. Was that 07? No, actually, um, when when Nico, Felberg, and Schuster and I went on tour, that wasn't until 2012. Okay. Okay. When we did the nonstop disc golf tour, but, um, but yeah, that's when that's when I started like really hitting the competitive scene was about oh six oh seven. Okay. So it's been cool to see Steve Dude. bust out those, uh, help me relive some of those old memories from the old Maple Hill days back when it was called the Marshall Street Championship. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching them and they're talking about Kale. Like, oh, Kale throws the furthest. Kale's the bomber. Like, if you can <laughs> keep up with Kale, you're bombing. Like, dang, Kale. Yeah, I mean, back, you were talking I mean, about why it was too. Well, yeah, I, I was 23 years old, first of all, so I was, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> a young man playing sports every single day of my life. So right. I was in good shape, and uh, I mean, back then I was sponsored by Discraft, and the Predator was, mm. you know, it's a very overstable, like Firebird mm. FX2 type disc. Yeah. So that was the the fastest disc at the time. So everything just I just had to over. just wrench over on it and force it over. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, back then I guess I probably was. One of the furthest throwers, dude. The Smasher, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, I was. I must have been 
Yeah, like 23 when that video came out. Dude, absolutely draining putts. Nearly acing the 18th hole after playing, like, a sick game of golf the entire day. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, wild times. All right, well, let's talk about um, some other sports. I know that you're a huge fan of a couple different people, even have some ink of these people, um, one of them being Kobe Bryant, another one being LeBron James. I mean, you're passionate about these dudes. You, you follow them. You, you know. Yeah, I mean – uh, growing up, baseball was always my favorite sport. My uncle uh, is a Hall of Fame baseball player, um, so I was explain that Hall of Fame baseball player genes. Kale has well, yeah. My uncle's Paul Molitor, so when I was a kid, he was playing for the the Milwaukee Brewers, which is about a five hour drive from us. So, you know, we'd be driving to Milwaukee pretty much every weekend to go watch him play, and then he won a World Series in Toronto, and then he actually finished his career in Minnesota for his last four years. So I was able to, you know. Be just, right there just, for just that. be right there. So I you know, grew up with so many special memories of of watching baseball. You know, I got to be at the Hall of Fame when he was inducted in two thousand four and so that was always my first love. Um and then now, yeah, NBA is, is kinda my biggest passion as far as viewing now. Yeah. Um you're a great player as well. Yeah, I like I like to hoop. Of course. Yeah, we played twenty one probably ten times in Waco, and I think you won every single one of them. <laughs> Once you got to the free throw line, we weren't playing three in stops. So Kale just stood yeah, there and drained. Sweat, just like that circle one percentage that you led the pro tour in last year. Yeah, that's <laughs> There's something to be said like for a, that. Like a free throw. Are you good at like beer pong and other like bago standstill? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm. I mean, I'm competitive at everything, but yeah, I don't think I've ever lost a game of bags. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like my putting style straight up and down so you know playing with a bunch of people drinking beers is pretty easy to get them most of the time but um what is it about like uh say lebron that draws you to him like which characteristics well, and lebron is i mean i'm 37 years old now so lebron and i are pretty much the same age so mm. i remember you know i remember the hype of him in high school and i was like right there with him and i was yeah. following him like from the beginning and i think that's why i have such a love and appreciation for him and then just, like, his greatness, like, how, you know, how he's lived up to the hype and far surpassed it and what he does for the community, how he's building schools, how he's, you know, such a good role model and how he's still so dominant, yeah. you know, in year 18 is right. the most inspiring thing. I mean, he's not slowing down. He's still, I think he's still the best player in the NBA. Mm. And uh, so I've, I've, I've really enjoyed following his journey. So hopefully we get to see him for at least another five years until – his son gets in the NBA, but it's you brought up Kobe, and I was never, never a Kobe fan. Like okay. when he played in the NBA, I actually would, oh, I did not like him at all. Like okay. I respected him very much, obviously, yeah. but that I was, swag, out, I was that out, yeah, I just, I never liked the Lakers back then. Mm -hmm. I loved LeBron, so Kobe was the guy that I always rooted against, even though I obviously had a lot of respect for him. But right. then, um, I actually, my my second date ever with my future wife uh, was. Kobe's last game in Minnesota and she had never been to a basketball game I'm like well Kobe's coming I gotta go to this game so we went so I got to see him play his final game in Minnesota and that season I kind of like you know stopped hating on him and yeah. started to like appreciate what he was doing and uh but then yeah like when he yeah when he passed I just I don't know it's like for a guy that I rooted against his whole career when he passed it was like I don't know. I was shook just mm -hmm. so hard by it, and I didn't really understand why. And yeah, it was just yeah. He just had such a yeah. He's he's a special man, and so yeah. Well, he I, transcended I, sports, well, you know. At the right. end of the day, he was he was more than just 
a great athlete. Yeah, and you know he had he had flaws and stuff like we all do, but he was just just a savage and cared so much, had so much passion. And I I had a tattoo scheduled for like the day after he passed, just uh, randomly. So I ended up getting yeah his eight and twenty four on the back of my arm just because I was you know so touched at the yeah. time. Yeah. And, yeah, that's awesome. Um, switching subjects a little bit, yeah, but also talking about um, entertainment to a degree. You are a huge Game of Thrones fan, so much so that you name your discs after Game of Thrones people or things or swords or whatever else. Like a lot of Game of Thrones fans out there, why don't you talk to them for a second? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of a nerd, honestly. Uh, I got a couple buddies that you know every every episode that come on, we'd all get together and watch it. And uh, I didn't get into it until like the first few seasons. And then once I started watching it, I, st- I had to start reading the books and try to get ahead and see what was going yeah. on. But uh, yeah, I've always, you know, even years ago, I would always name my discs, at least my special ones, like yeah. something. And then once that started, I just kind of went with it and yeah, started naming them either characters or weapons or yeah, the dragons. Weapon. Or yeah. <laughs> I've got one that you gave me, Heartsbane. It's an OGH three. That's Valyrian steel right there. That's right. Hard's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh it's a fantastic disc. It's got that tiger print on the top of it. Yeah, it's a one right. of one. You still throwing that? I do. I do. Yeah. It's got a spot. Yeah, that was always too overstable for me. So when you hit it with the forehand, it just flips up a little bit and skips more than the A three, so I'm down with that one. All right. Jump on this um let's talk about Prodigy Disc Golf. I mean, you've been with them since the beginning and you just signed an extension. Yeah, man. I mean, I, there's a lot of people. I mean, like start at the beginning, if you yeah, would. Yeah, well, I'd love to. Uh, so when I started playing, um, the people that I looked to in Minnesota were Timmy Gill. Um, he was, you know, just a huge ambassador for Minnesota. He was the amateur world champion, and um, he actually won the 2003 Mem- or 2004 Memorial. Second year became a national tour, but um, so he was who I had looked up to. He threw all discraft. So my first. Um, it was always my dream to get sponsored by Discraft right away. And um, after some good finishes early on, I, I quickly did. And how and I, old were you when that happened? Um, that was 2005, so I was, uh, yeah, I was about 22, 23. Okay. Yeah, just fresh out of, or still in college. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I was sponsored by Discraft for eight years, um, and... That brought us to 2012, and I was, like, you know, traveling full-time with with the nonstop tour with Dave and Nico and yeah. Will. Yeah. And, you know, I, we could see the, the sport just blossoming, and we were all kind of we were all kind of getting the same thing, you know, getting, getting you know, entry fees paid, getting yeah. being on a bonus structure and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, felt like we were doing a bunch for our sponsors, but we it just wasn't really being reciprocated. And, yeah. Um, so there was a group of, man, there's so many of us that, you know, had the dream, you know, we got to do, we got to do more for the players. Let's maybe we should start up our own company, start making our own discs, start paying these players salaries, you know, kind of impact the game from a different way. You know, at that time it was just Discraft and Innova were really the only yeah. manufacturers. So there wasn't, you know, a lot of these other companies that there are now. Um, so there was a group of, man, there was, there was so many of us that, you know, kind of shared this dream and,
Yeah, so yeah, so middle of 2012, you know, plans started really developing for Prodigy. We had, you know, it's not like we were like going behind our sponsors' backs, but at the same time, you know, we were just trying to do what was best for us, yeah. what we thought was best for the game. So, yeah. um, so yeah, we you know we finished out the year, and that ended up being like you know probably my best year ever on tour because I committed and I was playing full time. I won a couple of NTs, yeah, on the Texas State Championships that year back down in Houston. It was that like was your, your first tournament in Texas, or one of your first tournaments. You came down there for the swing and just. No, yeah, that was that was like a handful of years prior. Okay. But I for so yeah, for some reason I always do pretty well in Texas. But um but anyway, that was just an awesome year. So end of the year kind of comes around and all right, this is actually happening. You know, Prodigy Disc is happening. Mm-hmm. Um now all these players that were gonna be involved, where does everyone stand? You know, are we really gonna go through with this? And you know, I had been with Discraft for eight years, so I, you know, I've consider myself a loyal person and yeah. they did a lot for me over the years so I, w- I wanted to you know reach out to them and give them the opportunity to you know i'm telling like this is what i'm doing you know now's the time to kind of like pony up if yeah. you know like i want to be in disc golf my whole life like yeah. I, I have a lot of big a lot of big things that i want to do and um you know they for whatever way for whatever reasons we parted ways and and prodigy disc happened and and I just, I, it was, I remember that was just such a big splash in the disc golf world, you know, all of a yeah, sudden, yeah. you know, like salaries, 10 to 12 of the, the best men and women are all of a sudden kind of essentially started up our own company. You know, we only had a couple discs right away, but we were all paying, you know, paying salaries. And that was what was important to us. You know, the player, we, we, this is what we were kind of dedicating our lives to, you know, we gotta, we gotta be paid. Otherwise, yeah. you know, what are, what are you going to do out here? You got some equity out of this deal too. You had some ownership. Yep. You felt like, uh, when you grew it, you know, it was helping you grow as well. Yeah. And we, yes, yeah, so we did get equity with it. And we also had the option to, to buy in for more shares as well, which I was like, you know, I want to be in this for life. So I did. Yeah. So I bought it, you know, I took my life savings and, and bought into the company and, and yeah, it was just such a splash. And, you know, it's been over eight years now, and just to think about all that you know we've gone through as a company, all the changes, all the people that have left, all the yeah. people that have came. Yeah. I mean, it's just a remarkable story. And but what it, what it's done for for disc golf overall, and for the the sponsorship landscape for all these companies. I mean, it trickled down to Indeed. all these other companies, yeah. and essentially everyone had to make a change because this is obviously where the the future is headed. These yeah. you know are some pretty amazing athletes out here that. Or understanding their worth and, and are willing to make a change based on it. How many of the original Prodigy ten to twelve still are on Prodigy? Is that um, I would say like I would say about half. You, Cat, yeah, Will, Cat, Will. Um, we got Seppo. Yeah, Regna. You know, we were all there. Crazy. Um, and then obviously, you know, Cam Coldglazer. He was one of the originals. Um, hmm. Matteo soon after. Matteo soon after, and then you know now you know the team that we built with Kevin Jones, with you and Chris Kevin Dickerson, and Dickerson, and getting Thomas and Austin this year, and yeah. I mean you know the, yeah it's, it's it's been an amazing ride. I mean Stacked. we've you know we've gone through you know some ownership changes, some you know all these different changes, and it's just been such an amazing ride. And now there's you know. Now there's a handful of disc golf manufacturers that are actually have some market share and yeah. to be like there with Prodigy from the beginning is, is pretty pretty special, integral 
time in disc golf history for sure. Yeah, yeah, you watched it grow from the beginning. And so then signing a contract this year, was that something you thought about or was that a no-brainer for you? No, man, it, you know, yeah, so I I, I was in uh, my two-year contract got over after the two, 2020 season and, you know, I didn't get to play as much as I wanted, but I, you know, still, you know, playing consistent, good disc golf like I have for a long time and then, with all the work I've been doing with, with my course design stuff, my course building, with what we did at the preserve and stuff, you know, I, my new contract was up, you know, I'm 37 years old and I'm thinking, you know, I got to, you know, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, have some, some pretty good worth and, and some things that I'm bringing to, to build prodigy, yeah. build my own brand, build disc golf essentially. And so, um, I, I've been, you know, my old touring buddy, Paul Uliberry, who's the team discraft captain. Yeah. Um, like somewhere, I think it was at the Preserve Championship, actually, he was like, you know, I know your contract is up, you know, at the end of this year, we should at least chat, you know, right? see where we're at. So I was like, you know, you know, just doing my due diligence at, you know, before I signed a new contract and, um, talked to Paul Uliberry and, and Bob Julio over at Discraft and they put a really amazing, amazing offer together, honestly. And, and so all of a sudden, you know, and I'm with you in Colorado at this time. We're out snowboarding, and yeah. I'm, you know, trying to just, like, you know, relax and enjoy the mountains. And now all of a sudden I have, like, a pretty important life decision to make. And yeah. So I was, you know, bouncing ideas off you and some of my friends and family and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, forever grateful for, for the offer that Discraft gave me and how great they were through the whole process. But um, essentially, you know, it was it was significantly more than I was getting for Prodigy, and I went back to Prodigy and said, you know, Discra- you know, the, the moves that Discraft is making, you know, obviously with what's happening with Macbeth and with yeah. all these players, I mean, you know, they're seeing the worth. The companies are growing, the disc golf is growing, yeah. So that you know, the salaries need to keep growing right. to to kind of reflect that and represent the market share that's happening. Yeah, yeah, and so, and and luckily Prodigy was very receptive to that, and and I. You know, I told them that I want to, you know, be involved, and and I want I want the players, not just myself, but the, all the other players on the the top team, to be well taken care of and well compensated as well. Because, you know, having having all this turnover on the top team is not good for the brand. I don't think. You know, I want yeah. I want to get players here. You know, for it's life. Pretty common. Essentially. Yeah, you know, exactly. At this point in disc golf, to see turnover at the end of the year. Exactly. So I, you know, I want to, I want to dedicate my resources to the top players, make it, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a place that people want to come, people want to stay. Yeah. You know, I want, I want Prodigy to, to, to be known as, as a company that takes care of, of the top players and stuff. Cause yeah. there, there's some out there that I don't think are doing as good of a job. But anyway, um, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's a high compliment to get an offer like that from Discraft to understand that, you know, it's, this isn't um, just what you're worth, what you're being paid now. Like disc golf's growing and you are growing and what you're doing for the game is growing. And it's so much more than just your play. You're obviously a phenomenal golfer. We all know that you've been a phenomenal golfer for a long time. One of the best mid range putter throwers to ever throw in this game and um, leading the tour in circle one percentage last year. Like, but it's so much more than that. Your course design um, and and just what you do for the game. Cool to see Discraft just show up, you know. Yeah, they did and, proper, and and you know, honestly, with the history that I had with them for being with them for, with eight years, yeah, you know, that would have been the only move that I would even have thought about, and 
so yeah i again i i'm so thankful for those guys for yeah. for for believing in me and i'm very thankful for prodigy for believing me as well and yeah and now uh so i was able to sign a, a three-year extension with with prodigy disc and was able to get you know everything and more that that i had wanted and i also you know pushed for a lot of my teammates as well to make sure that everyone's taken care of and that we're all growing together and, yeah. and in this together because yeah. we, we have such good momentum right now with uh, with prodigy disc with disc golf you know i just i don't you know i want anything to change i want us to just keep moving forward and snowballing and yeah we're in a good position to do that sounds good to me man <laughs> your advocacy i will always take on that front all right, let's let's um, let's jump subjects a little bit. I hear that you played all sorts of sports, including racquetball, possibly even a racquetball champion. Dang, Victoria's digging deep. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad, actually, he played competitive racquetball as a kid, so I kind of grew up at the racquetball courts. Okay. Um, we That's had an a, interesting game. Yeah, super interesting. And I, all racquet sports, we had a tennis court up in my cabin, too, so I love tennis as okay. well. Huge Roger Federer fan, but... Um, the Fed, the one-hand backhand. Oh, just... Just an, I mean, just the man. If you're Doctor Smooth of disc golf, he's Doctor Smooth of tennis. <laughs> well, dude, I don't know if I can be compared to the to, to Raj to but, the Fed. But anyway, uh, yeah. So my my freshman year at Iowa State University, I went there for one year. The Cyclones. Yeah, the Cyclones. And Ames. And I was like, you know, just, I just love all sports. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take a racquetball class. This is great. And uh, you know, I'd already been playing for years. Ended up torching people. And uh, I entered, like, the, the Iowa State racquetball tournament, and, and yeah, I ended up winning it. Um, I, I remember, like, in the finals, I actually played a, a female in the finals, and it was, like, a, and she was unbelievable. Whoa. I, like, barely beat her, but, yeah, I, I did win the That's insane. Iowa State tournament. Yeah, that game is so much about angles. It's really if you know how to hit it low off just oh, roll yeah. them out or it's whatever every, my everything. pops is good he used to torch me growing up so. it's such a fun game yeah just being in that rectangle with another player and being able to hit it off any wall with the goggles just whack yeah whack tack, 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 whack <laughs> that's yeah that's fun stuff i love right. rack, i love every sport honestly i'll play anything all right let's talk about a ridiculous number 282 282 straight caches for my boy I mean, that goes back years. Yeah, that, that's insane. Here. Yeah, that's something that, I don't know, that's Cal Ripken. That's like something that'll never be broken. That's Iron Man stats right there. Yeah, th- I mean, thank you. That's that's something that's even hard for me to really fathom. I mean, to, like, to even think that I've played that many events now and to well, have cashed in that many in a row. I mean, yeah, with a, a touring pro averaging between 20 and 30 events, we're talking about 10 years of cashing, 10 years plus. Yeah, the last I remember the last tournament I missed cash too. It was 2008, so we're talking 12 years, yeah, 13 many, years, many years now, over a decade. Yeah, wow. But I, I still remember that event because I was just kind of like learning how to push putt. Because mm. Felberg, I remember I was like a spin putter back then, and I'd have some off tournaments and be shanking. And Felberg was just kept on telling me that you gotta, you want to be a world champion, you gotta switch to this push putt. You at least gotta have it. And I remember for this tournament, it was down in Emporia, Kansas, at the like the Monkey Island Open yeah. PT or something. And I was like, all right, I'm going to only push putt at the tournament. And I remember I was just so awful, just airballing and rolling down hills. And, yeah, that was my last missed cash. And to think, you know, how many tournaments I've played since then. To not even have a bad weekend between then Well, and now, I've definitely know? had a couple, like, you know, relatively poor weekends. But as it continues to build now, it's like I the, – the pressure is definitely there. Like, if I ever have a bad opening round or something – 
especially at like a smaller like two round tournament or something it's definitely in the back of my head yeah. like all right don't no, don't let this down, be no. the one but speaking of opening tournaments up what did you do on the first <laughs> hole of las vegas challenge the first hole of your 2021 tour Unbelievable. Yeah, as we talk right now, the the Las Vegas challenge just got over yesterday. Right. Um, so Thursday, you know, my boy Jake and I drove down here, and I have not been playing any disc golf this winter. I mean, we've been snowboarding, snowboarding a bunch. Like I snowboarded three times as much as I played disc golf, but it's not by choice. Like the last few weeks before I left, it was just so cold in Minnesota. It was, yeah. didn't get above zero for weeks. Yeah. So um, I came down here just out of practice. Um, didn't really feel like that great about my game, honestly, in, in in the practice rounds and stuff. I was getting sore. My hips and back were getting sore and stuff. And I remember just having so much nerves on the first tee. I walk up, and remember that day? It was just ripping headwind yeah. on hole oh, yeah. one. And I'm just like, honestly, I'm thinking about not going OB, short right, like, you know, clear, you know, let's start okay if I start with the par. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start this at the basket. If I finish 30, 40 left, that's fine. <laughs> And I threw out my A3 just flat into this ripping headwind. And I was like, dang, this looks money. It's just money. And then dead center chains. And I honestly, man, just thinking about it now, I definitely, like, blacked out for a second. <laughs> I was just screaming. Like, the practice the practice area is about, you know, 100 yards from us. And everyone's looking over because I'm just going. The people that were there claimed that you were you were yelling, why aren't you filming us? Oh, you need to film this card. Yeah, we had, like, like Where's know, Joe Mez at? <laughs> We had, like, four players on a card that were, like, 10, 20 or higher, and that's why I was like, oh, I got a feature card, but there was no cameras, no nothing. Yeah, I'm one for one. What do you guys want? <laughs> for real. I was so hyped. And thinking about that, like, man, the first hole, the first throw of 2021, like, this is, it just reminds me of how special this game is sometimes. Like, yeah. that, that kind of perfection, even if it's just for a second, can happen, man. It's just, it's, that's magic. It is. It is well said. All right, um, we forgot to talk about that bald eagle story when we were discussing the preserve. I mean, you had a video of it as well. This is okay. So yeah, back once to in the, a lifetime. Back to the preserve. Like the reason we called it the preserve is because every time we'd go out there, we'd be seeing bald eagles, we'd be seeing fox and coyote, deer, turkey, monster fish, and all the ponds and rivers. So uh, you know, it's a nature preserve. It's a nature, and I, and I studied conservation biology was my major in college, so it's something that I'm passionate about. So we, the preserve seemed like a fitting name. But man, out there, one day I'm sitting there, literally, I'm building the course. I'm putting a sign into the ground with my mallet, like banging it down, and all of a sudden, I it sounds like a meteor hits the pond right next to me, and I'm just, I look up, and it's two bald eagles. So when bald eagles mate. They lock talons like you they know, start up like super th- thousands high. and thousands of feet up in the air, like up in the thermals. They lock talons and just like free fall when they're mating. And so I don't know if they like didn't didn't release their talons in time, but they just smacked the water and I just it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So all of a sudden a huge splash and then these bald eagles, you know, they're so big and they're Monsters. now they're all wet, they can't just like take off from the water. So they're literally swimming, doing a breaststroke to get out of the pond. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And it you was had just, a video of one getting to the shore. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I quick ran to my bag, grabbed my cam- my camera, and started filming. Once and, in a lifetime. Yeah, it was wild. But, I mean, that's, you know, people that come out to the preserve know, you know, especially in the spring because uh, there's a creek that flows from the ponds to the river. So all like the all, like, the big fish, you know, swim up the creek to go spawn and stuff. So... 
when we were building the course, you know, we'd be seeing, you know, northern freaking two feet long swimming in like two feet of water just up these creeks and stuff. I mean, it's it's paradise. I love it up there. That's amazing. Man, well, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Is that it? Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been doing it for a minute now, over an hour, I think. But um, Yeah, my pleasure, too. Um, yeah. To have yeah. you on first uh, to describe that experience, the preserve, all of that stuff. It's, I mean, it's amazing how it came about, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did because there was a lot of that stuff I didn't know, even the Prodigy stuff being a team member that I didn't know. So we appreciate well, that. Well, um, yeah, it's definitely my pleasure, and honestly, like, you know, with how much stuff that's happening in, in disc golf now, with all the stuff that's happened, I mean, we could probably talk for another few hours, so maybe we we'll have to do it again. Yeah, we definitely will. Any uh, shout-outs or anything you want to say to the people? Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to you because I've witnessed firsthand the last year-plus how hard of a worker you are, and I'm glad to have you as a Prodigy teammate and glad to have you invo- involved with GK Pro and see how hard these guys are working too. Top-notch, um, fellas. This is a good time to be in disc golf. When I started playing, I had to go buy a DVD and watch it over and over again. I had one DVD of the 2003 National Tour, and now people got some pretty cool content to watch every single day pretty much. So um, thank you guys all for what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, Kayla Visca. Okay. Yeah. Kayla Visca, you also own Airborne. You uh, you do course design. Where can people find information about that? Yeah, so um, if you go to airbornepreserve.com, that's kind of like my all-in-one website. So we you know we have our, our retail shop there as well, and there's also a link to my course design page, which is laviscadiscgolf.com. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's definitely a passion of mine. I uh, I'm realistic, especially you know with how far these kids are throwing these days, and I'm not going to be able to play pro for for another twenty years. So um, yeah, course design is something I'm definitely very passionate about, something I enjoy doing. And, yeah, uh, yeah hopefully we can we can do a bunch more fun championship courses over the next few years. For sure. And when are we going to see you next out on the course? Man, we're, uh, we're in the midst of a three-week tour right now, so we'll be in Scottsdale today playing Memorial this coming week and then, and then Waco for the second pro tour event of the year. And then I'm going to head home and, and build the third course at the Preserve, get that kind of up and running. Yeah. And then uh, I'll be back on the pro tour about about midsummer. All right, well, right on. We look forward to seeing you out there once again. Thank you for coming, you guys. This has been the Go Throw Show, brought to you guys by Flight Factory. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one.